You're listening to a sermon preached at Cross and Crown in Melbourne. We believe that God speaks through the Bible and he calls us to preach the word in season and out of season. We pray that as you listen, you'll be strengthened to know, love and live for Jesus. Can I invite uh, Auntie Wendy and, and John back up? We'll be going through your questions. Now, uh, we, we probably won't be able to get through all of the questions, but we'll, we'll do our best. Okay. Um, the first question is, um, what are some helpful and unhelpful things to say to friends who can't conceive? Uh, so that was probably a, a question that comes out of my talk. My friends who couldn't conceive, that's all right. My friends who couldn't conceive, they would say things, don't say, uh, now that we're not going to try, we'll f- probably fall pregnant. Because people had been saying to them, you're trying too hard, stop trying, you'll fall pregnant. That that was just really unhelpful for them. There were very deep medical reasons why they couldn't conceive. That was kind of a question. They would give some advice on what we might pray for or uh, we could pray for their marriage, we could pray for their ministry, but perhaps not anymore pray that we conceive. God can give the gift of conception even if you don't pray for it. We've stopped praying for it. I don't think you need to be praying for it. So just kind of little pastoral tips that I might have been too embarrassed to ask about, but then they gave me permission thinking, okay, I get that. I won't ask that. I will say that. Yeah. Thank you. Does anyone else want to add? Um. So... The, the other question that's come up is, uh, if we're married, should we desire to have children? Is it unbiblical to not want children? Uh, Reese, do you? <laughs> uh, on the whole, if you're married, I think you should be wanting kids. That is, it might not happen. That's okay. But I think on the whole, being married and having children is kind of like a package deal. So I'm a little bit nervous when my Christian friends say to me, they're sincerely Christian, wonderfully Christian, but we've decided that this world is too unsafe to bring children into. I kind of get where they're coming from. But the world has never been safe to bring children into. In fact, it's probably safer now than it might have been 500 years ago or 1,000 years ago. So on the whole, I think it's a package deal. But I'm, uh, I recognise there are some other pastoral questions which float around the decision. Yeah, broadly speaking, I'd, I'd agree with that. And as, as Reese said, there are pastoral implications and issues. I understand that... Um, uh, Lots of people thinking about children, even before they get married, have a lot of fears that go with that. Um, and those fears can come from uh, their own childhood, uh, traumatic experiences, um, a whole range of things that can be there. And I think we don't want to be insensitive towards that. Um, we don't want to... I think... I, I don't use the language of you must have children, uh, but I think it's God's ideal within a marriage. And so as people plan for marriage, I often encourage them, understand this is what God's ideal is and also will seek to be patient with one another through each other's insecurities and sensitivities about that. And I think sanctification means helping each other 
work towards that ideal, understanding that life is complicated. Uh, and so I, I'm, I'm loath to say you, you must and somehow all your difficulties and concerns are irrelevant. But I also don't want to go on the other side and say that your concerns and sensitivities mean that it need not be something that you aspire to and actually is, as Ray said, part and parcel of what it means to be married, if under God, that's something that he would choose to give. Thank you. Does anyone else want to... Yeah, I think... Um, I think in some senses it's, it's, it's sometimes the pastoral aspect of things. Even even within marriage, you know, you've got those that, is, as you said, Reese, oh, 19 kids, you know. They've got big quivers, uh, you know. It's a... <laughs> That's a, that's the thing. It's sort of like you, you, the Lord is going to fill your quiver, and and I used to say, well, my quiver is quite small actually. <laughs> um, but I, I think it is an aspect we tend to, um, as even as we young, uh, thinking of of giving sometimes ourselves over to the Lord, and I think it comes down to that as well as trust is whenever we rationalize whether, uh, you know, we have kids and this, this is going to have this implication, this implication, this implication, I think what it does is it drives us to the Lord and, and we are to rest in him. And the amazing thing is, is that I'll take, for example, uh, Josh. Um, we used to get uh, unhelpful things said to us with Josh would be, oh, well, you must be really that God decided to, to give you Josh. The, far from that, uh, but the wonderful sorry, I'm gonna, um, the wonderful thing about grace is the Lord gives you it when it's needed. And I think that is sometimes is working through these things, um, then a couple might say, well, we're never going to have children. And it's because of this, this, and this. And sometimes the Lord has a way in in uh, moving in their hearts. Because um, to be quite honest, I'll, I'll say this openly here. Um, when we had Beth Ann, it was a little bit of a shock. But I was starting after three years of marriage going, mm, this is pretty good. You know, it's just me and, and, uh, so sometimes the Lord will, uh, shall we say swing curveball and you, uh, you know, um, with that. And can I just encourage you? I mean, if, if you are someone in that situation where, you can understand that it is God's ideal for, for marriage to have kids, but you've got your own insecurities and fears about that. Um, I'd, I'd imagine that it would be quite easy to want to keep that to yourself uh, and, and to not work it through with others. And I think it's actually really important to find safe people within church that you can actually bring that before the Lord together with. Because otherwise it can be really difficult to wear that alone and I can also imagine, look, when, when you talk about kids, I mean, it's, it's values-laden. And there's so much, um, there, there can be shame and embarrassment with it, too, I can imagine. And, and I just think it's important that 
there are people that you can talk to about that, that you don't just keep it to yourself because it is it's a heavy thing to wear. And then also to hear this and then to walk away and go, oh, my gosh, well, what do I do now? Can I encourage you? Have the courage and the trust in the Lord and your brothers and sisters to find someone that you can say, hey, this is where I'm at with it. I know this is not ideal, but this is how I'm feeling and I'm afraid about it. Can, can we talk about that? And then bring it before the Lord together. Um, okay, uh, another top question that's come up is how should parents discipline their children in a godly way um, Auntie Wendy or John I think first and foremost um, when it comes to discipline it's about like I said training the heart so you know Children tend to be naturally pushing boundaries because they are learning, they're exploring, they're developing. And different age has got different boundaries that they will push. So, you know, if it, like what Alfred has said, we, we know our children. We know, I mean, you kind of can tell whether it is willful misconduct where they make a point to test you or it's a genuine mistake. So you either, with genuine mistake, you admonish them, but with um, willful misconduct, you would um, help them know the consequences. But the part that is important is explaining, talking through. Uh, in my household, we used to have a thinking chair. So it's a chair that is somewhere in the house. We put them there. He, he knows. <laughs> He's looking at me. <laughs> now, this thinking chair is for them to reflect on what they have done, what could they have done better, uh, where they have gone wrong, and it's also a reconciliation with between them and God because not just explaining, you know, we talk through them, we let them talk about why they do that, and but at the same time, at the end of the session, we would pray with them. You know, and they, they, they ask for God's forgiveness. They also ask for our forgiveness. Now, the funny thing is, it extends to their cousins because when they came, the, the, my brother said, just go ahead and discipline the way you did it. So the, the kids, my nephews that come, they remember the thinking chair. You know, they, because they see my children go through it. So when they come, they, they, but of course, we're not as harsh as we are with our own kids. I mean, harsh as in we would go through that you know, a uh, Christian principle of praying, asking for forgiveness, because they are non-Christians. So we we rather they learn that they need to reflect their actions and know what they can do better and make wise choices. So that was how we did ours. I was just going to ask how many times, Alfred, you've been in the thinking chair. <laughs> <laughs> What I would say, actually, joking aside, is consistency. I think, uh, uh, you know, that we can, um, you know, raise our children to anger when we're actually arbitrary in our discipline. Um, whenever you've had a hard, hard week, uh, you come home and you're, you're exhausted and something just annoys you what the kids are doing and you react. 
Now that that actually impacts because if you're uh, and also making sure that some of the behavior is just being, you know, no, not you know, not everything has to be a lesson. Um, and sometimes when you're perhaps you're raised, you know, you you go to DefCon nine on because they're not eating their Brussels sprouts or something like that. Well, whenever you really have to go to DefCon 9, they're going to go, there's no differential between it, you know? Um, so I think it's, it's being consistent and, and as, as uh, Wendy said, you know, always giving a reason, you know, in that and never, never putting it that you're pleasing me, but this is to the Lord. Um, one of the phrases that I've tried never to say that I, uh, in my family always was, and this is a way that some people discipline, and I think I said this to Christian, is never use the phrase, after all I've done for you, you treat me like it's a, it's a phrase that is, we used to, whenever we grew up at the point, my father would use that, and we actually ended up pretty... You know, sort of, we, we basically we call, oh, don't give us EB, which is emotional blackmail. Never use emotional blackmail to discipline y your kids because that, that will break them. That will break their spirit. Um, yeah, so consistency. Thank you. Um, and then another question is, what are some ways you've seen the service of children meaningfully integrated into church life? Um, I, I poked that question so uh, uh, for a reason. Uh, I, I think one of the reasons why we do the how how many of you here for either the or not either one of the marriage dating or singleness pastoral seminars? Yep, people were around. One of the reasons why we did it was not just so that we could equip the single people with the single stuff and the married people with the married stuff and the dating people with the dating stuff, but so that we can learn how to love one another as a church and. And I think that's really important because just at a framework level, Reese's um, talk was really helpful just thinking about what a household is. Uh, 140 people, right? So I've often said um, there's, a, there's a photo in my parents' lounge of the household that my dad grew up in. He grew up in a household with, I think, about 40 to 50 people in it with cousins, grandfather, um, housekeepers, uh, <laughs> uh, a whole range of people who were blood-related and not. And, and that's a very different vision of the nuclear family. And I've just been thinking about it, that church, when I grew up at church, it used to be um, a gathering of families. So, you know, like, my family would come and there would be my dad's family, but also my, his, two of my uncle's family. So in the sort of Chen clan dynasty thing, there were like, you know, 30 people there, and then there was another big extended family. But what it meant was, um, when, when Noonbid became a Christian from a totally non-Christian family, and he started coming to church, he didn't fit anywhere. And the only way that he could belong to church was he had to be smuggled into my family. Uh, and, and I'm like, that's not right, actually. Church is a gathering not of families, but a gathering of God's household to which all of us belong. So rather than thinking about church as, okay, I've got this family here, that family here, that family here, and which one do you fit in? And each family has hard borders. 
thinking about church fellowship as a gathering, as a family gathering, in that sense, where individual biological households have porous borders that overlap, where it's okay to invite other people into your family life and to involve them in parenting in some way, um, to esteem different people in different life situations. Um, I think the wash-up of what Reese showed us from the Bible is the, the Scriptures both elevate the place of children versus how society often diminishes them, but also, in one sense, pegs it down a notch, as John was saying, from the kind of idolization of this is this child is my God. And that's a really hard place for our church to occupy, but really important for us to do. So all that to say, I think it's important that as a church we can do this well together. Um, I know one of the other questions that I have no wisdom on is uh, when you have kids, how do you do serving well, given that that's such a big thing? Can I please ask, please do not disappear from church. Uh, once you have a kid, that doesn't mean you have no responsibility to the rest of the, the, rest of the body. Um, some people will look at the Old Testament and go, yes, there's that passage, but when you get married, you have to stop going to war for a year. And I'm like, I didn't know that ministry was going was that hard. So, uh, <laughs> but, but I think we owe one another something in this family. And so serve one another well by blessing us with that family and allow us to bless you in a range of ways as well. Uh, Reese, any, any thoughts on that? So I've seen... Uh, kids drum and be in the music team. So you probably don't want to have kids giving the sermon. <laughs> but there are lots of ways that kids can greet people at the door or participate in a music team, your family uh, as an example, or kids uh, saying some prayers during the church service. It might be that you have some adults saying some prayers, but you might have some kids saying some prayers. So giving them kind of profile, space, kind of responsibilities according to their age and stage, I think those are all really healthy things. Um, I think one of, the, one of the things that we... Uh, when I was in church in Singapore, I served as a um, kids, in kids' ministry. And my two kids come along, and then when they became teenagers, they served as young leaders in the kids' ministry. So, you know, they model after your behavior, and, you know, they will step in when they feel that they're ready. And most of the time, um, you see them interacting with the younger kids, and they, they know what to be running a kids' ministry or to be helping in kids' ministry, whether they are serving in prayer in the kids' ministry or they are helping to run the computer screen, the slides, and you know, simple things like that. And they can be involved. Slides are a never simple thing. <laughs> <laughs> they, they use computers. <laughs> Overheads are much easier. Yeah, right. <laughs> Thanks, guys. I think that's uh, all we have time for. Um, could we thank the, the panel? Uh, of course, if, you, if your questions weren't answered, I know there, there was still a lot there. Um, you could um, talk to them individually. Um, well, I hope, I hope this morning was really helpful for everyone um, to think about um, God's uh, children in, in God's church and also to remind us how we are also uh, children of God. Um, I'll just close us with prayer and then you can go off to lunch. Let's pray.
Father in heaven, Lord, thank you, Lord, for your wisdom, Lord. Thank you for your kindness to us. And thank you, Lord, that you love children, Lord. And because of that, we can come to you as a child. Um, Father, please help us, Lord, nurture uh, our faith. Uh, uh, let it be childlike. And help us as well as we see um, the children in our church to love them as fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, and to be able to, yeah, be able to see uh, what Jesus sees. Uh, thank you, God. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.